Welcome to ABC Cafe. My name is Anthony Apodaca and this is Daniel Trigg. And today we are going back into the F-35s. Back at it. Back at it for part two. And um, today we have two guests. We're um, welcoming back uh, James Mark Lees and Marguerite Edelman. And this episode, we really get into uh, general... Uh, What's happening at a local level. Yeah, um, but General Winooski. The Guard. Yeah, General Knight, uh, Major General Knight, who's head of the Air National Guard in Vermont. His response to the Winooski referendum uh, that just went through. In March. In March. And um, just a couple surprising instances of of people who responded and who didn't respond. Um, I think you'll find that very enlightening. Yes, the city of Winooski sent out letters to many elected politicians. And... uh, We'll leave it to you to discover who did and did not respond. It'll be a surprise until yeah. then. So I think we're really we're really happy with this interview. We covered a lot of ground. Um again, mostly focusing on 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 the, the Winooski referendum and, and and breaking down the politicians' response and the guards' response and really trying to understand how uh disingenuous it is disingenuous disingenuous yeah, disingenuous yeah. It is. and it um and we this is a little bit longer than we uh we were we were planning on trying to split this up but it was just uh it was just such a great uh piece as one so bear with us and and hang bear in. with that's a little long <laughs> it's a little put bit on longer. some coffee that's right strap yourself in and feel the g's sit on the porch watch the hummingbirds and if you're listening to this in Winooski, you might want to go to a quieter neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> Move to the Hill District. All right. Without, that's an inside joke. That's You'll get an inside it. joke. You'll get it. You'll get it. We have a proposal for how to solve this problem near the end. So uh, keep listening. Awesome. And um, without further delay, here is James Mark Lees and Marguerite Edelman. James Mark Lees. And Marguerite Edelman, thank you for joining us on ABC Cafe. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. It is. We're happy to be here. Great. So we wanted to discuss, um, I guess, sort of the impetus for this interview was um, General Knight's response to your letter about the Winooski resolution. So I was hoping, Marguerite, we could back up and if you could just tell us a little bit about the origins of the resolution and the um, your work with it and what it said, who voted for it, etc. Happy to do that. Um, we here in Winooski have for a long time, a small group of us, been working uh, to get something on the ballot. Uh, Jimmy came up, James, came up with the initial idea of getting a resolution. And we felt in Winooski, since we're so heavily affected here, that it would be a good idea. We approached the city council and were told that if we wanted to get it on the ballot, we would need to do a petition process and get 5% of those who are registered to vote to sign the petition. We came back and said, well, this is the time of COVID, and (laughs) it's pretty dangerous for us to go out there. Besides that, anyone who runs for office doesn't need to get any signatures to get a petition to put put their name on the ballot. Did they waive that for running for office? Well, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. I missed that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so they waived it for them, but they would not waive it for us. However, they did make the accommodation that we could use a... uh, an online petition. Um, And so we did that. And we uh, worked very hard to get signatures on that online petition by posting in front porch forum, by getting the word out to residents and other community members. And we were able to collect pretty close uh, by the deadline the number of uh, signatures that we needed, but not quite enough. Um, So at the city council meeting right before... um, you know, the the election deadline to get on the ballot, uh, the city council took up the issue of us not quite having enough signatures. And fortunately, they decided that we could go ahead and put it on the ballot. Um, So that was a nice accommodation for us. Um, It was on the ballot. And the question was basically, shall, you know, the F-35 training mission be uh, stopped in a densely populated community like Winooski. 
and it passed 67%. I can tell you the exact vote. It was 723 yes to 354 no. Um, and we were very pleased with that outcome. And the city, because of that resolution passing, sent off letters to the governor, to uh, Senator Sanders. So Mayor Lott sent the letters? Yes, the city did. The city, okay. Right. But what was um, Mayor Lott's response out of curiosity? Because I'm always... Um, they were not willing, even though they were, you know, like eager to put the marijuana one on the ballot without any petition, they were not eager to put ours on the ballot. And part of the argument was, well, it's very controversial. Um, More controversial than marijuana. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, but of course, you know, ours doesn't make any money for the city and marijuana does. Um and it was very controversial, and also they had already dealt with this so many times that it didn't need to be dealt with again. Our argument was, yeah, but the last vote that was taken was before the F-35s came. We want now to see what people say now that the F-35s have been here a while and they've been flying over all of our homes and community. Um, and we felt it was important. Also, the last item on the agenda was tied to a lawsuit, and this one is not. This one is tied to a request to ask them to be moved out of a densely populated community. So we felt it was quite a different question. Um, mm -hmm. So the was city- there a, Was there a difference in um, a vote that you could recall from the last time? I didn't live here then. Yeah, Maybe was, Jimmy knows. Uh, it was 55%. Um, Oh. Uh, approval in, in to join yeah. the lawsuit. Right. Uh, and that was back, I think, in 2015. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so now it's more than two-thirds mm -hmm. saying, uh, urging the state to use its authority over the training of the National Guard in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's to, a big increase, actually. Yeah, that's That's markedly, huge. Right, yeah. right, huge. right. But this time, there was no money right. attached, and that might have made a difference in the whole issue as well. Maybe we could raise enough money to pay pay them to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have more money than we do in the military. Well, how much do you have? I've got, I've got, I've got like $40. <laughs> 40. Yeah, I've got 60 <laughs> I'm retired, so it's a little hard at this point. So then... The city sent a letter. Can you tell us who the city sent a letter to and who you did and did not get responses from? Yeah, this is the fascinating part to me. So the letter was sent to Mayor Weinberger, to Governor Scott, to Senator Sanders, Senator Leahy, Representative Walsh, and also to Gregory Knight, Major General Gregory Knight. Um, the only acknowledgement of receiving the letter that we got was from Phil Scott's office, not from Phil, Phil Scott directly. Um, and we asked uh, Christine if she would follow up, and she did follow up, and I think Bernie Sanders or Leahy's office, one of the two, said they got it, but once again, no formal acknowledgement. So in my emails with uh, Mayor Lott, you know, we talked about she, her continuing to pursue getting a formal acknowledgement. Um, part of my argument was whenever I write any of these folks, I generally get a response. And I think, you know, when you have 723 voters who voted on this resolution, they deserve some sort of formal response in the city. Absolutely, yeah. So after probably three weeks, I recontacted her and asked if she had gotten any additional formal responses, and she said no. And at that point, I was kind of peeved, and I wrote something in Front Porch Forum, and I also sent something out to people for Peace and Security's Facebook page, and I wrote each of them asking for a formal response. And the only formal re response we received, to his credit, was from Major General Gregory Knight. So he did respond formally. Not a single other representative of the people right, yeah. <laughs> has responded. But he did respond, and I give him credit for that. Well, he's the one directly involved. You know, like mm -hmm. Leahy and, and everybody else are very much tertiary characters in this, even though they have the power to stop it. They don't care. They have a million other things on their plate. And he's like, in general, Major General Knight is the only one who's just like, guys, I live here. Like, <laughs> I'm here in this. You know what I mean? 
Well, it, it is interesting though yeah. that the the only the only person that responded was the, the unelected person yeah. in the military. Yeah, right. That's amazing, actually. Um, so uh, I think the 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 military is uh, responsible for the pain, the injury, the distress and suffering they're causing, and I think it may be having some. Uh, concern among uh, members of the military because they know that this is illegal to be harming civilians, that that's one of the principles on which the military operates, that they direct their fire at enemy military forces. They're not allowed even to direct it against civilians who are supporting the military in their enemy country, you know, and let's call them enemy civilians. There, there really aren't enemy civilians, but nationals of an enemy country. They're not allowed, it's a war crime, to be directing fire at civilian people. So um, here in Vermont, they're using the F-35 in a way for which it was not designed and they're causing suffering among Vermonters. It was not designed to be based and flown low over densely populated areas. It was designed to drop bombs and shoot missiles at enemy forces. Why is it based in a, the most densely populated area of Vermont? And that's what converted the F-35 115 decibels into uh, a weapon of mass injury. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I don't. Some people seem to dismiss the the decibel sound, but it's it's you know sound sound can kill you. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's it's a it is it is a weapon. I mean, they have the police uses use sound cannons, yeah, sonic cannons for yeah. a reason. I mean, it's 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 an it's beyond just a nuisance. It it, it is actually can be at the right levels harmful especially um, to uh, obviously young kids and uh, yeah or for people with uh tinnitus yeah like myself like yourself well and in the reasons that people signed the petition we used an online petition there were a huge number of individuals who cited you know harm um and i think Jimmy, in um, collecting the reasons that people have signed the petition, has found that also. So to me, there's like a pre predominant of evidence. I wrote in Front Porch Forum, it's not necessarily about us. Right. It, it may not uh, affect us to the same level, but if it affects any civilian um, in traumatic ways, then we should all be paying attention to that. And exactly. I think it's yeah. really, really important. I, you know, I could look at and read you a few of these, but the basic thing is you're harming my children, yeah. you're harming me, you're harming my pets, yeah. um, the noise is uh, uh, untenable, I work with sound, I can't deal you know, with losing it. Sound yeah. is important to me. So all kinds of reasons. Yeah, I, and I have a, a friend of mine who's a, a veteran, Mm -hmm. Um, and when they fly over, she, you know, she has PTSD, mm -hmm. um, from serving overseas. And when they fly over, she legitimately has panic attacks. So like, that's a whole other situation. That's a psychological that's, yeah. component. So it's, it's so, so that is, that's very important. And, yeah. And I'd love to talk to her. Um, the, you know, it isn't just anecdotal no. evidence mm -hmm. and people People are, hundreds of people have filled out uh, <clears throat> this report and complaint form that we've put online. Uh, so we do have uh, all kinds of evidence and actual <clears throat> names, addresses, and phone numbers of people who filled out this online form. Over 1,500 people have so yeah. far done so. We've had four versions of the form. Uh, the latest has almost. Fallen. Are these are these some of the responses here? These, from these that? are not the ones that James Jimmy collected. What are these? These from? are the ones from the petition. Oh, okay, great. So when people sign the petition, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to read a couple of those, and I want to get back to the Winooski thing. But I I wanted to check in with you because the last time we talked, 
James, you had um, just requested that the guard release the the public records of all the complaints that they're tracking. Right. So bef- before we move from that, I would like to ask you if there's any update on that. No, they I- haven't responded. To oh. That. They haven't responded to that. Uh, what they what the guard is doing is saying that they re- that. Um, they're under the Federal Freedom of Information Act rather than the State Public Records Act. So <laughs> under the State Public Records Act, they would be responding immediately. But the Federal has a long backlog. And so they basically are able to... How are they? Un- how, that's they're a, a state agency. Yeah, that's... that's and, they're, what they're, they're cl- and this is, uh, this is obfuscation, concealment, suppression and denial of the public right to know the air guard announced and it's on vt digger a reporter uh found by interviewing them that they've received 1500 complaints on their own but they haven't released the content of those complaints most of them phone calls Uh, they have a they have a number where you can call and make your complaint um, but they're not allowing, they haven't posted any of that, and, and they haven't even said why they're not. But if it's because of privacy considerations, they could certainly redact the names and put out a transcript. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll, and we'll link to, um, in the show notes, we'll link, we'll make a, a link to your, uh, the sort of form that you filled out. So anyone listening can go on and fill out that form and it can be public. Unlike the guards form, well, you will never hear back from them and it will go on the black box archives of military secrets. What I think should be noted is that, um, at one of the last city council meetings that I attended here in Winooski, Gene uh, Richards attended and talked about sound monitoring, and um, that was quite a battle uh, a little over a year and a half, two years ago, to even get them to write a grant for sound monitoring, not mitigation, monitoring. It's a great way to confuse people. Anyways, yeah. we wanted monitoring because we wanted to know what the levels are, and we wanted it's something that they would acknowledge instead of, you know... It's an objective measurement that you can say, hey, in this block at this time, it was this, et cetera, and actually get real information. So supposedly by the end of July, sound monitoring will be installed at City Hall and permanently installed there. And we will be able to go online and see what the actual decibel levels wow. are. And we'll be able to tell the F-35s, because as you and I know, they usually come in groups of four, six, eight, and ten. <laughs> ten more recently. Um, and uh, we should be able to tell what the actual levels are. Probably the most shocking thing to me was what Gene said about the fact that it's not going to make any difference in their sound contour maps. In other words, we'll know we're being harmed, but it's not going to change a thing. And I find that probably the most upsetting thing that Absolutely. I heard. Right. The, um, this, the, uh, Gene Richards, by the way, is the director at the airport. Um, and uh, so the city of Burlington owns the airport. The city of Burlington has some uh, significant level of authority over what happens at the airport because they're the owner. The Vermont National Guard indirectly has access to the airport because uh, the uh, airport and the city of Burlington have a lease agreement with the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force, which is a separate agency from the Vermont National Guard. So I guess the Vermont Guard is subletting, or sublets allowed. I didn't see anything um, in the lease agreement allowing that. Uh, So I think the, the city of Burlington has some authority over the noise level, particularly because Burlington has a noise ordinance that prohibits noise at the level being emitted in populated areas, including over Burlington. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a sound engineer who's made measurements using a, a calibrated recording sound measuring device. 
that uh, that indicated that at the post office here in Winooski, it was around 100, somewhere between 110 and 115 decibels, uh, was the, the maximum sound level uh, using a system that filters out virtually all of the low frequency noise. So that doesn't count towards the sound level. That's what the Air Force and the FAA prefer to use. It's called A-weighting. There's also other ways of measuring sound, and they, those are the ways that should be used, because why filter out low-frequency sound? That's the, that's the sound that penetrates. Yeah, it shakes your body. It shakes your body. It gets your internal organs vibrating. It's damaging, too. Yeah. And <clears throat> so... Uh, what they've done is they've set up a sound measuring system that makes themselves look not as bad. The Air Force itself, in the environmental impact statement where they discussed Burlington F-35 basing, says that at 114 decibels, if you're repeatedly exposed to military aircraft at 114 decibels, you can get permanent hearing damage. Now, we're getting hundreds of F-35 flights over Winooski every month because there's more, the Air Force says, more than 3,000. And the schedule um, provided by the Vermont Guard, four days a week, eight to 16 flights a day, uh, adds up to hundreds of takeoffs and equal number of landings low over Winooski every month. So we're getting the repeated exposure, and it is at that 114 decibel level, and could be higher. Uh, so this is going to be causing permanent hearing damage. And that is, uh, that's a very serious, this very serious, because if you're a child, it's going to interfere with your learning if you have some hearing damage. Uh, and if you're, as you get older, then it becomes harder to distinguish consonants. So if you're in a noisy environment, it's like at a party, you can't, it's more difficult to socialize. Maybe people start to have uh, to withdraw from socializing because they can't really understand each other. This is very yeah. damaging there, for the lives of people. There's a lot of impacts, you know. And, and I mentioned last time we spoke, you know, I haven't ate. I don't know how old he is. Eighteen months. My wife knows. Seventeen, eighteen. What's the difference? He's, he's, he's less than two. That's my point. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I have to buy now, um, like noise canceling, uh, earpiece, ear earmuffs, yeah. basically, just so because I don't know when they're flying, I can't go for a walk with my son without like noise protective equipment because it's so loud that he starts crying. You know, when we're out on a walk, you know, it's an all-out assault. Basically, it's it's shitty. Like, who wants to live like that? So we should get a picture of your son with his with his earmuff protection. I'm happy to make my son the face that, of the movement. Let's <laughs> let's put that in front of. Uh, I mean, people need that. Do you I have think a onesie of that Bernie Sanders? A onesie like a for a for a toddler <laughs> riding. In, if you make a onesie with Bernie Sanders in a cowboy hat riding the F-35, then uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll put... No, I, absolutely, we should get... We'll get a picture, and it's it, it really is just... It's, it's not like you hear a plane sometimes. It's like it changes the way I conduct my life. And that's, yeah. that's the impact, right? And that's just... Why should you have to do that? <laughs> you know, like you live in a... In the, in the, Beautiful place like Winooski. Yesterday was my friend's birthday, and they came over to the came over to the backyard, and we were having some cake, a little champagne and cake, and because uh, that's how bougie I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the planes came like eight, right? And and they came four, and then a few minutes later, four more, and it just completely disrupted what we were doing. Completely changed the dynamic of the conversation. No one remembered what the hell we were talking about before it happened. And that's just like, that's not even us, we don't even have the extra kind of things that would make it even worse, like tinnitus or already having earring problems. And, you know, we both have babies. They're taking naps. Like, they wake up. Like, it's 
it's just like ah, it's hard to conduct your normal business, your normal yeah. course of your day when this is happening. Right. And so, so you know, nobody knows is- nobody knows better than the military mm-hmm. because the pilots and the and the Air Force personnel wear two layers of hearing protection. They wear the plugs Inner and, outer, and yeah. the muffs. Yep. Yeah. They know. And, and the helmet. And the helmet. They know what this is doing. Every time they get in the po- cockpit and take off, they know they're going to be damaging civilians. So maybe that's the point. Maybe they're psychologically preparing for what they're going to be doing in the next war based on lies for oil somewhere in the Middle East or against China or wherever they're going and wherever they're anticipating well, being deployed. Intentionally or not, that's certainly um, undoubtedly an effect. Um, let's pivot back to the letter and the resolution. Um, so I would like to actually discuss General Knight's response yeah, because is- I think it's... I know that you both have probably a lot to say about it. Um, I don't know if we really want to read the whole thing, obviously, but I, I think there's a couple of a couple of highlights. So, I mean, I'll just ask both of you, maybe Marguerite first, like what struck you from, from his response? I think what struck me is this assumption that without the F-35s, uh, V-Tang couldn't do all the good things, quote unquote, that they did for us during COVID. Mm-hmm. And that last paragraph i find very offensive (laughs) yeah let's actually we'll read that last paragraph because it's really identical to the last paragraph of Leahy's response to frank cattleton and actually have both of them here the first sentence is actually quite remarkable so um this is from general knight the vermont air national guard has been proud to serve vermonters for 75 years and especially over the last year through supporting the state and responding to COVID-19 so effectively. So this is, and this is the first sentence from Leahy's response. Generations of Vermonters have supported the Vermont Air National Guard through many aircraft with many different sounds. Because the Guard always supports our communities in times of need, the COVID-19 crisis has been no different. And then both of them go on to basically say what you're saying, like, look, leave us alone. We made a tent. And provided yeah. some relief for everybody, you know, with federal money. That's th- th- are that, the F thirty fives dropping vaccines? <laughs> yeah. like, Is it true we have two hundred and fifty six Vermonters dead in New Zealand? They don't have anybody dead. What? 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 Why do we have two hundred? You know, COVID nineteen is an airborne disease. This is supposed to be a, an Air National Guard. <laughs> they could be focusing all all their members on. On on this airborne threat, this this violent threat from a pathogen. That's what they should be trained to do, not dropping bombs on civilians in some other country. We need to rethink our Vermont Air National Guard. We have airborne threats from carbon dioxide and pathogens. Let's have a Vermont National Guard that's focused on the real threats that are facing Vermonters, and that killed 256 of us in the last year. Yeah. What are they training for with the F-35 jets? It doesn't kill any, any uh, COVID-19 uh, viruses. It doesn't really protect us. It really only makes Vermont, and actually Winooski, South Burlington, and, the, and Burlington targets for the missiles of other countries that the U.S. is threatening. Well, I mean, and look at all the other issues. I mean, each hour of a training flight costs forty-four thousand dollars. Yeah, I've heard thirty-six plane. and forty-four. Either way, forty-four it's, it's is the a latest, lot of money. Yeah, forty-four thousand is the latest figure I've seen. I find that when you think about where all this money is going, like the other day, my husband timed it. There were ten that flew. I think it was 10, 8 or 10 that flew over. It took over 8 minutes. And this is just on takeoff. Usually on landing, they take a lot longer to land. So they go over more than once sometimes. So you get the noise twice. So so you've got that factor. But you, you, you've you also got what are the real threats to the United States at this point in time and to the world. Um, Biden said climate change. Well, 
these F-35s are contributing huge Directly, amounts yeah. to climate change, toxins, poisons in the environment on every single level. Um, the waste of money, and I'm going to call it a waste, is ridiculous because the threats are more around pandemics, just like we went through. Um, they're more around climate change, um, uh, environmental toxins, um, these uh, 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 people leaving countries because, you know, what we call these uh, uh, nomadic immigrants who are coming because the climate has changed and they have no food and they have nothing. So we're facing huge issues. And cybersecurity, oh my God, cybersecurity yeah. is yeah. really the biggest world issue right now in terms of safety and security. So you know, once again, you have to ask yourself, why are we, you know, spending over 52% of our federal budget and discretionary budget on the military? Yeah, it comes back to that question, I think. Um, it's, I don't, you know, it's not a secret how much money we spend, but it really needs to be seriously questioned. You know, the amount of of money that we spend on our military compared to other countries is just astronomically ridiculous for any for any defensive purpose. Just out of curiosity, are either of you familiar with um there's a movement called Defend the Guard? It's it's more of a libertarian Republican thing, but um we should talk about it offline. In 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 a nutshell, um a bunch of uh folks um are um veterans actually are um it's being spearheaded by veterans to introduce legis state legislation to make it illegal for the guard to be deployed overseas um, unless Congress actually declares war where they're going. Um, it's actually a pretty interesting and powerful idea because I think uh, it fluctuates, but like, you know, like 40%, 40, yeah. 40, it's a little under 50% or so of the people overseas are the guard and it would completely hamper, you know, the U S empire's ability to have so much um, presence overseas. If, if we had like legislation, legis legislation like that. Yeah. One, one th interesting feature about the guard is that it's low cost because uh, most, most of the members are civilians and they're just part-time activated mm -hmm for the guard until they're called up for federal service. So they work, they're members of a state national guard under the, under the command of the governor of the state until they're called up for federal service. And then they're under the command of the president of the United States, who's the commander in chief once they're yeah. called up. So uh, in Vermont, they're working for the governor, and so the governor has the power to halt the training flights because under the Constitution, the training is reserved to the states. The appointment of officers and the training of the militia are reserved to the states. The arming of the militia, the discipline and the organizing of the militia, that's federal. That's why the decision to bring the F-35 here, that's arming the militia, was a federal decision. But now the training is under the authority of the state. So the governor can say, we don't want to train in a city anymore. We know, we found out, we tried it. We found out it's not a good idea. It's hurting people. We're getting a lot of reports. It's a bad idea. We want to stop. So I'm ordering the adjutant general and the wing commander to stop it. He could do that. Mm -hmm. Governor Scott has that authority. Yeah. He won't do it because he's a big supporter of U.S. intervention in all these other countries. And he knows what you just said, that most of the burden of fighting these wars is on, or a big par part of the burden of fighting these wars is on the low-cost Vermont National Guard. They can be called up. They're not being paid very much. They're only paid for the 12 times they they have practice once a month yeah. for a weekend right. that's the only pay they get they get a, a daily stipend to participate in these things well what about the, what about the pilots since you brought that up i mean actually you know uh f-35 training once a weekend would be a huge improve once a month 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's not I would, the pilots. Right? Yeah, I know. The pilots. <laughs> that, would be, that would be fine. So, <laughs> right. So, for example, for the for the Vermont Guard, there are some something like eleven hundred members. Three or four hundred are full time. The other seven hundred or so are part time. Right. So, as a whole, the the Vermont Air National Guard is much less expensive to get all that uh, right. that work done. And they can call up all 1,100 and deploy hundreds of them overseas. Uh, the same for the Army National Guard. There are about 3,000 members in total, but only a fraction of them are full-time. Yeah. Covered a lot of ground there. I do want to go through a couple more points in General Knight's response, because I think it's a really good entry point. Um, and I, I guess the other kind of uh, thing that struck me was the, this idea of... Um, a federal mission. So, um, pursuant to federal law, the F, uh, the uh, 158th Fighter Wing has a mission to conduct flight training, and it is funded by federal government to do so. That mission comes from the federal government and the leadership within the Vermont National Guard, and is not at liberty to refuse this federal execution. I think what's interesting is a sort of sleight of hand that confuses that federal mission, which is actually true, uh, with that, the fact that they need to be F-35s based at the Burlington Airport. Mm-hmm. That's the mission. That's the, you know what I mean? Like, what is, what is that mission? Right. So there are several levels where that's a problem because nothing about the federal mission says you have to train in a city. Most uh, most air pilots are trained at at bases that are remote from cities. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about a runway that's in a neighborhood like the Chamberlain School neighborhood where you have uh, 1,500 affordable homes and 600 kids going to a, an elementary school a few hundred yards from the runway that says, oh, you have to have this training in, at that right. location. So he didn't really answer the problem in the Winooski resolution. And furthermore, just the fact that the government pays for it doesn't mean that you have to damage thousands of families. What does one what does the money have to do with it? So the the federal government does provide money for the Vermont National Guard, but that doesn't give them authority over the training. The constitution says that authority belongs to the states. So what is his response? It doesn't even make sense from the most basic look at our federal and constitution. Just relying on on the ignorance of the general public, you know, not not many people know what you know. Like they don't take the time. They're just like, well, the major general said that it's the federal government, and there's nothing we could do about it. So I guess uh, there's nothing we could do about it. Just so he's relying on people thinking that if you pay for something, you yeah. control it. Exactly. Yeah, that, but that's not the you know the founders set this system up for a reason, dividing responsibility between three branches of the federal government, and then further dividing responsibilities between <clears throat> between the states and the federal government. Right. So the, the federal government has only the powers that are provided to it in the Constitution. Anything reserved to the states does not belong to the federal government. And what's and it's and the Constitution expressly reserves the authority of tr- appointing the officers and training the militia to the states. So he should know that he's the adjutant general. Yeah. He should definitely he should definitely know that. And you know, states' rights, quote unquote, has always been sort of reserved for certain dubious causes. But there is some truth to that, and I think we need to revisit thinking through the relationship of the states and the federal government. And this is a really good example right, of right, that. Exactly, yeah. So so certain dubious causes have seized upon states' rights. For example, segregation, racism, yeah. Yeah. And have used it. Yep. And, it. and one of the reasons maybe that it was in the Constitution was because of slavery, that the states wanted that authority to preserve slavery. But it's also shouldn't be relinquished when it has to do with something like we're seeing in Vermont, where the state is not protecting 
It's people. It's sacrifice. And we have sacrifice zones. We've made Winooski into a, a zone where you can have free attack on civilians using, okay, you can't use the the the, the cannon on the F-35. You, you can't drop the, bombs. It's the F-35 sound cannon. But you're yeah. using it as a sound weapon. And every pilot, when they take off, they know. They must be thinking, gee, I'm going to be going over Winooski and damaging some children. That makes yeah. it much easier. This is like training to hurt civilians. What kind of training is that? That's just the wrong training. If you want to observe the military's laws and principles when you're going to be uh, involved in combat, you're supposed to be protecting civilians, not hurting them if you're a military officer. Which actually is an interesting segue, and I want to get back to you, Marguerite, on these um, noise, <laughs> this, this, this endless promise of noise uh, mitigation. Yes. And, yes. And, and, and I want to read this uh, small section also from General Knight's response, which is it's just kind of mind-blowing to me. In, in addition, we are participating in several noise studies over the next 12 to 14 months that will provide us with the data we need to evaluate noise modeling initially used in the environmental impact statement. So what what in the holy hell does that... He's talking about finding ways to measure. He's not even measuring it yet. He's not even doing it. He's like, well, we're going to look into how best yeah. to do it. So, Marguerite, can you talk talk a little bit about the the history of the idea of noise mitigation, in as far as you've been involved in that in this fight? Well, yeah, I've been watching the uh, <coughs> city's memorandum of understanding, Winooski, um, working with Gene Richards from the airport um, on the whole issue of noise mitigation. First of all, we know it doesn't work. Um, it's not very effective. It probably costs approximately $55,000 per home that requires this. Huge number of homes in Winooski. It's like a lot of flight hours they could pay yeah, for. Yeah, <laughs> almost one half of Winooski would require sound monitoring. How many houses? How, do you know how many houses I that know, is? I didn't write that down unless well, you the remember. Air Force says The Air Force in the Environmental Impact Statement said there are 2,963 homes in the 5.2 by 1.2 mile oval shaped yeah, the, uh, yeah. noise zone around okay, the runway. Yeah. So that, that gives you an idea of how dense the population is right around the runway. Almost 3,000 homes are so close to the runway that they're within a mile to the sides and a, a couple of miles at e from each end of the runway. Exactly. And what's really important to know is that they're it's all reliant on grant funding. They're only doing 100 homes a year. I'm 68. I live like half and half in the, my building is half in the 65 and half out of it. <laughs> um, by the time they get to my home, I'll be dead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, unless people live a lot longer. Um, but what's really important, and I think what really made me angry was when I attended one of the airport commission meetings, and um, I was just listening in. I didn't make comments at that one. And Gene Richards talked about how lucky Vermont is that it will be getting all this money for doing for construction work in homes. Um, and that we should just feel so lucky because, you know, all this money will be coming into Vermont for work. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, we didn't want it. It doesn't yeah. work. You won't get to most of these homes probably ever. It requires I'm writing grants every single year going back to get this money. And then there's a match component, which still isn't totally resolved from what I understand. A match component? Yeah, what is that? Yeah. What does that mean, a match component? 10% of the money has to come from the local area. Uh, so it's usually the local government or the, or the state government. And uh, when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars for all these homes, uh, that's quite a bit of money. So... Uh, so there was a deal that uh, the mayor made with the uh, gas company to uh, to pay f to pay for it because the insulation for sound also insulates 
for thermally. For, so it mm. gives your gives your the home double benefit. double benefit. Yeah, I th- I think that the pa- the powers that be love getting federal grants yeah. that they can give to developers and sure. construction companies. Their fr- their buddies in the uh, business community are going to be getting uh, lots lots of money. Of money oh, yeah. to insulate homes. And it works for the goal of, uh, client, you know, they, they, they can say, hey, the F-35 is bringing in money and we can use some of that money to insulate homes and that's good for climate. And so they try to make them, it's kind of lipstick on a pig, basically. <laughs> uh, th- there's a, another way, you know, all the insulation in a home does no good if you open the window in the summertime. Exactly. Or you step out. Or if you're just outside at a playground with your son, the new Winooski pool just opened. So now we have a hundred community members of Winooski, you know, outside. You know, it's just the idea that you would mitigate the noise just in a building doesn't make any sense because you're not always in a building. You're outside having a barbecue. You're at a playground. You're taking a walk. You're on a mountain bike ride. Like the whole point of being in Vermont is to not be in your goddamn house. Oh, and we <laughs> like, love to brag you know I mean? about like, what, what a green state we are and yeah. you know, Burlington is even in winter you're cross country skiing the green, like yeah. what is this? So so what would be the problem with locating the the F35 in an area remote from populated areas? Mm-hmm. Why why is that a bad idea? You know, the governor hasn't said that. Mm-hmm. And and news reporters haven't asked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, well, what what what's the problem with locating in a location? Yeah, last time I checked, well, you're not going to hurt There's anybody. a lot of space in Vermont. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of a space lot. in Vermont. There's a lot of space in the country. It's you know, if you're going to do that, like you know, all right. Well, we are we are running uh, running towards the end of uh, our time. I'll, I'll leave you with this idea. I think we should use Vermont's law of eminent domain. And relocate the population of Winooski to the hill section. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? You guys want to work on that with me next? (laughs) I think it's a really good idea. Um, I want to conclude with a couple of things, which is um, how do people, we always want to give people an opportunity to be active in this. So, you know, how people can get involved with the work that we're doing, um, on this issue in particular. And I think also like, what is, do you have a strategy to go forward from here? Um, You know, what I was thinking, if there's one person whose door we should just make very public and say, everyone needs to just bang, bang on this door and start writing letters and start writing notes until we become so loud and annoying. They can't refuse. Who would that be? I would, I would propose Scott. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, Governor Scott has the authority. He's not the only one who has the authority, but he directly has the authority yeah, as commander stops with him, yeah. in chief of, yeah. the, of the guard for training. Yeah, the, I mean the guard's not going to change their mind, right? They're not no. going to just they're not going to wake no. up tomorrow and be like, oh, and they couldn't if they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, they they have a chain of command, yeah. so they you know they need to take orders. So I I think we're not that's not a useful. But, but Governor Scott is at the top of that chain of command when it comes to training the Vermont National Guard. So he's the address where, uh, where the uh, knocking that you talked about should, should be happening. But it isn't only him. I think, I think it's, there are more people who are collaborating in this. Uh, for example, uh, we, we, ha- we have uh, the Speaker of the House and the Senate pro president who are preventing hearings on F-35 training flights in a populated area. Who, They're not allowing. Who, tra- are, who are those people? Uh, uh, Do you have Jill Krowinski yeah. is the speaker and Becca Ballant is the Senate president. And, and the chairs of the committees like Tom Stevens, who's the chair of the housing and military committee in the house so could the house and the senate do something as well they can have hearings they can bring forward the facts they can be uh allowing people who live in winooski to testify and who's who's champion championing i don't know championing championing thank you uh those hearings and and that activity in the in the legislative body 
Yeah. Uh, well, there are only a few people who have been trying to bring up uh, resolutions, and and they don't get, and they don't get hearings. They don't. Nothing happens with them. Uh, people like uh, Brian Sheena yep. and Celine Colburn uh, have been the ones that I am aware of who've who've been really pushing to have some kind of action come out of the legislature. Hmm. But but the legislature has influence over the executive branch because the legislator provides the funding for the, any funding that Vermont provides for the Guard. And the legislature has the authority to hold hearings and bring out the facts and question the the governor, question the adjutant general, question the wing commander, what look into the constitutional and legal responsibilities, question the uh, inspector general. So right. there's so, so right, much right your representative and 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 but bang on Scott's door. So yes, it's yeah. Scott primarily, but it's also the legislature. We also have a problem uh, with the uh, with the judiciary because I think that they're. Uh, they don't want to. They, they the last thing they want to do is uh, have a case like this. So this is why we're focusing on the political, the public, the public getting involved and the public putting the pressure on, because it's really difficult when you have. Uh, a, I mean, you, you've seen. You, this is so. This is so much like what we've seen in in countries where there isn't a democracy. Look, we just had a vote in Winooski, two to one. And Burlington before and Burlington, that. Yeah. Three and years was there ago. a third city that also passed a resolution? We haven't had a vote yet outside of Burlington and Winooski. Okay. And the, the resolutions won in both places. And we are seeing an increasing vote since the uh, planes arrived. Yeah, because people didn't really realize. They're like, oh, the F-16, that's not so bad. Maybe it'll be like that. And now I think, now that the plane's here, they're like, oh, and I'll put myself in that category. I wasn't really paying attention. Well, a lot of people said that in the petition. They thought yeah. it would be like the F-16s. They believed what they heard, and then they realized it's not. But I would add one other thing that can be done. Winooski needs a seat on the airport commission. Mm. And we don't yet have a seat, although there's a movement towards it. And I know that our representatives, uh, Hal Colston and Taylor Small, both supported a bill that would actually examine and look at airport governance. And I think that's also very important. Absolutely. Um, and to have a voice and to understand how the airport is governed, uh, because it's very much in collaboration with the Vermont Air National Guard. I mean, they're intertwined to a degree that's pretty unbelievable. Um, um, so they're the landlord, <laughs> right? Well, the air guard, from what I understand, pays a dollar a year, something yeah, like that. Very, That's what they, they don't pay, pay rent. to sublet. I, I love that rent. They should be paying a huge rent <laughs> and be paying the medical bills. Yeah, uh, for thousands of people, not putting foam right. in your walls right. and like getting you new windows. Like, right. what are you kidding me? I'm, if you're if you're putting if you're um, if you own a company. And you're going to be doing something that can injure your employees. Don't you have to do that first before you start doing it? Don't you have to yeah, no, get that's... the protection in place before you yeah. expose your workers? Well, exactly. here they are. Ex they brought in this, these 20 F-35 jets. And they don't have any of the protection in place. Well, that's why this. And, that's why this. And oh, they're still studying it. That's what. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's <laughs> they're like you studying knew, how to study it. You knew for seven right. years that this was going to happen, and you're just now saying we're going to conduct a study to 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 figure the what what a noise mitigation plan could look like, and we might be done in one to two years. And, and there's yeah. an, and there's another thing that Gene Richards should be thinking about, and that is that the people who are most in the most dangerous part of the noise zone are the people who are standing near the runway. And who are they? They're the passengers. 3,000 passengers a day use that airport. 3,500 passengers a day were using the airport before COVID. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Before COVID. It's, it's way down, but since COVID. But, uh, but it's coming back. But the thing is, once people become aware 
that it is dangerous. You, you're putting yourself at risk when you walk from your car to the terminal or from the terminal to ground transportation or from the terminal to the airplane. Uh, there, there are hundreds of general aviation planes, these small planes. Th those people have to wear hearing protection. But if they don't, they're putting their, their hearing at risk. Immediately. Would, Why yeah. would you use that airport if you have to drive more than 30 miles to get here instead of going to Plattsburgh or Manchester or in Canada? Or, yeah. you know, this is going to become an undesirable airport if people, as people increasingly <sighs> become aware that it's a problem that you don't want to bring your children here, that you don't want to bring your family here, that, in fact, we're, we're going to be implementing and expanding uh, publicity for a boycott of, of the Burlington Airport uh, so that uh, we increase awareness that it is a danger. Because the, if you go to that airport, you won't see a sign that says, wear hearing protection when you go to your car, when, when you leave the airport to go to ground transportation. Have you started the boy, boycott we, yet, or you're getting that under? Is there we did start it before, uh, before COVID, and then it happened. Everybody was boycotting <laughs> air travel. Wow, you it did it. It was a miracle. Well done. It was wildly <laughs> successful. But now we really have to get the word out that yeah. it has to do with this danger at this airport, that this is a dangerous airport from the noise point of view, who would have thought? It, civil aviation has become quieter year after year because the FAA has implemented rules that have made it civilian uh, uh, aircraft quieter, much, much quieter than when I was a kid. I grew up in the in, in a part of New York City, Far Rockaway, which is right under the right flight JFK, path yeah. from JFK. So we got a plane a minute over our house, and those were loud. But nothing like the F thirty five. So okay, so that was uh, that was an experience to grow up with that. But these planes are much much louder, and you're in the in the highest part of the aircraft. They have contour lines where it's louder and louder, and you're right in the most dangerous part if you're on airport grounds. So why would you use that? Why would, you know, isn't that going to be your lowest? For civilian, yeah, exactly. Okay, if yeah, you live yeah, right yeah. in Burlington, it's so convenient. Maybe. I mean, the pro yeah, the problem is, but if you know, it's pra practical for, for people who, like, need to go to New York or need to go, like, there's no other Boston way to get there. I mean, Montreal, yeah. I think I was actually thinking while you were talking, I said, there's something else we could boycott that would be, you know, it's sort of like boycotting the hospital, yeah, like you can't do that. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. So I, I, I'd push back, so, not push back, but I mean that's you know. So, I don't. so if, imagine just from the hospital analogy, if you didn't live right here in Burlington or Winooski, if instead you lived halfway to Dartmouth Hitchcock, now you'd have a you'd have an option. You'd have a choice. So there, a lot of the state is more than let's say fifty miles from this airport, and they have airports in all directions, Albany. In one direction, Manchester and uh, and uh, YUL in Montreal, yeah. and you have Plattsburgh just across the lake for many flights. So I think there's going to be increasing recognition that you don't have to use it on part, of, especially on the part of people a bit further away. And although I, I. The people who would be most likely to support the boycott, in theory, would be the people in the immediate area. That's true. Yeah. I don't actually see anyone in Stowe giving a shit because, you know, they don't really know like we know. You know what I mean? Right. So, so that, but that's why it's going to take time. But I think it's going. They're going to be exposing themselves. So they're living in a pristine place where they're not getting the noise. Yeah. But. Why would you come into a place where you could be exposed to 115 decibel noise? And this is, you know, the F-35 has not used its afterburner yet. They haven't used it. The Air, air Guard says they only had one time when right. one pilot took off with the afterburner, and that pilot wasn't one of our local pilots. Uh, so <laughs> He was just like, whoa! Let's do this. <laughs> because, Open her up. <laughs> because in other locations, they're using it most of the time. Right. But here, they've 
They've made accommodation to being in a in a populated area by not using the afterburner, but they still have to have it in their plan to use it, and they do have in their announcements that it's going to be used 5% of yeah, the time. They're, yeah, they're right. just waiting for the complaint level to go down. Which is not going to. It's not going to so, happen. So as, as they continue to increase flying, the complaint is just going to maintain and or go up. The, the afterburner on the F-16 was more than five times louder than the uh, than the F-16 without afterburner. Before, 19, uh, before 2008, for 30 years, the F-16 was taking off at this airport without afterburner. Mm-hmm. Just the year before, the F-35 planning began. They switched configurations of their external fuel tanks from under the belly with a single external fuel tank to out on the wings with two, two fuel tanks. So now it's heavier and they need to use the afterburner. And that's why, starting in 2008, the F-16 started taking off 90% or 95% of the time with afterburner. And that was perfect for bringing in the F-35 because it increased the what they call the baseline noise level. So in the environmental impact statement, this is how environmental impact statements work. They compare the new thing that they want to do with a baseline, what's being done now. And by starting in 2008, by the time 2012 came along, the baseline was F-16 with afterburner. Right. The problem was that the afterburner is only on, their problem, not our problem, their problem was it's only on for takeoff, and they turn it off right away because it burns so much fuel. So by the time the plane was coming over Winooski, the afterburner was turned, was off. In fact, it was off even over the airfield itself. They take off, and they turn it off right away. Mm. They're, they're airborne. So they don't need it anymore. So... Winooski is getting, whereas the the, uh, area around the airport is getting about the same noise level with the F-35 without afterburner as the F-16 with afterburner, Winooski is getting much more noise. They're getting five times more noise, four or five times more noise than with the F-16 because the F-16 had its afterburner off. And the F-35 is as loud as the F-16 as if it kept it's afterburner on over Winooski. Well, we're going to have to leave it there, but I'll, I'll leave you with this. I'm going to send my receipt with an invoice to Governor Scott's office for my <laughs> son's canceling, uh, noise canceling earmuffs. And Great I, th- I think Great. Should, um, I'll let you know if he pays for it. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I up. think let's let's reconsider this eminent domain idea moving Winooski <laughs> to the hill section. I do I do think that has traction. Um, but in all seriousness, this is just going to be uh, a struggle and a fight for a while. So yeah, and th- we're going to continue to and, and follow our up. goal here is is to br- to make it more known to people and to help people get an entry into the conversation that isn't the both sidesing of the issue by VPR. If you're listening, anybody at VPR, do something different. Do better. (laughs) Do better. And and I would just add, because I get it in Front Porch Forum all the time, people writing responses when I put something in about the F-35s. And what they often say is, it's a done deal. Just live with it. Suck it up. Right, basically. And Or the noise doesn't bother me. Right, or that. And Why do you hate the troops? That's the other one. Um, But my point is... We don't have to stop fighting against the F-35. It's going to take them 20, almost 30 years to mitigate homes, which we know they're probably really not going to do that long. And the plane um, will be obsolete by then. We can keep anyway. fighting for 30 years. And many, many important issues have been fought for a very, very long time. I mean, we've touched in a way just on some of what... Uh, the F-35s are bringing to us and having the military presence here. We haven't even gone into environmental toxins. Exactly. Yeah, we want to do another... Climate change. We want to do another... Um, this is just kind of becoming the ABC like series, podcast yeah. about F-35s. But I, I do think just <laughs> just diving into... There's there's two other aspects that I would love to get into in future. Um, is, is the legal aspects of it 
and and the environmental aspects of it and and there, there could be a different episode where we just focus on those things because i think they warrant you know their own space and their own consideration Good. i'm glad to hear that um this was just our opportunity to talk about how ridiculous general knight's response was to to your resolution there yes so, but he did send us one i will once again credit is, him with is, that it is it is remarkable and it's it said it really says something about the the elected officials that they don't you know yes it does um thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And um, we'll do it again sometime. Yes. Thank, thank you. you very much. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much thank for you guys. bearing it. through the whole thing with us. Um, we'd just like to wrap up by saying uh, if you have any uh, ideas for guests, you know anyone doing local activism or that you think would be a good interview yeah, do you on the show. you want to be a guest? Are you interesting? Or you, you an interesting be a Vermonter? Guest? Or there's a topic? Are you interesting? Do you have an interesting story, a topic that yeah. we could cover? Um, go ahead and email us. It, just email me, really. Anthony, it's anthony at abccafepod.com. That's it. And you can uh, get in touch with us. We'll, 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 Is that I'll, Anthony spelled with an I-E? Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, you can also just send us some love if you like the show. Yeah. Follow us on, uh, we have a Facebook page. Follow us on uh, Twitter and uh, promote the show if you yeah. like it. Thanks. Yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends.